And uh, if you would go ahead and join me in Second um, Corinthians, we're going to start at chapter 11. Today we start a brand new series entitled Fear Factor. Uh, over the next few weeks, I want to encourage you to move towards the things that scare you. And um, yeah, we'll unpack that. So let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to start with verse 23. This is the Apostle Paul. This is a man that Jesus called and filled with his spirit to travel the entire world and to share the gospel with Gentiles. If you are not Jew, you are a Gentile. And um, we praise God for Paul. And Paul starts off by saying this to the church in Corinth. Um, a church that he um, helped to, to start. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. in this letter, he wrote this. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 stripes. So his own people beat him. Uh, three times I was beaten with rods. I was once stoned three times. I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced um, danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. So he faced danger within the religious community and outside of it. He says this here. He says, I faced danger in the cities and deserts, seas. And I faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. He said, I faced danger and damage in my life from people who claim to love Jesus. But it shows by the way that they treat me that they don't. He says, I've worked hard. They may be religious, but they don't love Jesus. They may study their Bibles, but they don't love Jesus. And he says this here. He says, I have worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty, and I've gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And he uh, continues to say here. He says, then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all of God's people, the churches. And then let's, um, you can reference that, but let's go on over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is Paul, and he says this here, verse 8. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And he says this here, and we thought we would never live through it. So, so Paul was not a stranger to fear. He was not a stranger to um, thinking that his life was going to be destroyed. That he was going to die for doing what was right. He was, he was Damien, you're with me today. You're leaned in. You're my dude all, all day. I'm preached to you. <laughs> Everyone else still waking up, dropping stuff. Just 
laughing out loud between transitions. <laughs> I told the Lord I'll behave this morning. Um, and so he was no, no stranger to fear. And he was afraid for very worthy cause. Getting people to heaven is no small thing. He says this in verse 9, in fact, we expect it to die. But as a result, we stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely on God who raises the dead. Let's praise the Lord for that. So good. Man, I love Paul. I love Jesus, but I love Paul. I love Paul. Jesus, Jesus didn't break it down. You know, he, he tell you a little something and keep it moving. Paul gives you books and letters and foundation and stuff. And, you know, Jesus walking on water. Paul's like, I almost died, Jesus. <laughs> Come, Peter. It's like, Jesus, you were too unreal, bro. You were Superman in the flesh. Fear, if you're taking notes, the, the Greek term for fear is phobos. I'm in, I'm in a teaching mode today. Probably be at this pace and at this tone. So please fight to stay awake. Phobos, fear is the feeling of inadequacy that causes us to flee, withdraw, or avoid. It's the feeling of inadequacy. Uh, it's, the feeling like, it's the feeling that we're not good enough, we don't have enough, and we're not enough, and that God's not going to come through in our lives. Fear comes from a few places. Like I said, if you're taking notes, fear comes from and is produced by what we did, what we did, be it a poor decision, uh, be it a, I don't know, what we, we, what we would perceive as a failure, what we did. Fear comes from what we saw. So we, we were not the victims, but we, we saw something from a distance or in some indirect way, we were affected by it. So fear comes from what we saw. Um, fear comes from what they did. Be it what they said or physical harm or how they maligned us. What, what they did. And fear comes from what they said. You know, the old adage that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. That is a lie from the pit. <laughs> words hurt. Words hurt, words pierce. But fear comes from what they said. You'll, you'll never or you can't, you won't. You will always be this way. You will always be at this level. And so fear produces feelings of inadequacy that cause us to withdraw and to avoid. That causes us to, to back up, to say, okay, well, if I move beyond this line, danger awaits me. God may be calling us beyond this blue line, but if I'm fearful, I'm not going to step beyond it. And God's like, I just, I need you to step beyond it because that's where I am. But fear creeps in. And so Paul has written uh, this letter to the, to the church in Corinth in the year 55 A.D., and he's talking about all of these exploits, beaten and hungry, not enough food. You know, he got with church people, and church people 
were worse than people of the world. He got with people of the world, and people of the world were worse than church people. And all he knew was, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to share Jesus. I'm trying to share the way of salvation and the way of freedom and, and deliverance. I'm just trying to pay my bills and, and do what's right and, and work on myself and, 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 you know, obey God. I'm trying to do everything right, but for whatever reason, I just keep running into, into a wall, into opposition, into danger, shipwreck and deserts and seas and not enough money and not enough food and not enough clothes and and, you know, the people I thought were my friends, they're not my friends, just dangers, dangers, dangers. Paul was no stranger to fear. After years of doing what was right. But as with anyone who's clinged on to Jesus, growth is inevitable. That's right, Andy. Growth is inevitable. Overcoming is inevitable. Victory is inevitable. Anyone who clings on to Christ. And so we have a Paul who's writing to the church in Corinth on his third missionary journey. He's still out and about. He's in the city of Ephesus when he's writing this letter to the church in in, in Corinth. As a matter of fact, the church in Corinth actually saw Paul as a blustering preacher. Nothing more, nothing less. He was just someone who had a microphone. He was someone who liked to talk. They didn't see him for the apostle that he was, the powerful man of God that he was. Could it be that Paul was able to endure so much? Could it be was that the reason was because God was with him? Could it be was that Paul had nothing to fear? And that after overcoming every trial, could it be that Jesus was with him? But the the church in Corinth saw him nothing more than a a blistering, blustering, preaching machine. But he's writing to encourage them, look, I've given my life for this. If if you go back and read the the historical context of um, the Corinthian church, Paul labored with them. He suffered with them. He fed many of them. He raised many of them up to be leaders. When he came to town, the entire city was changed. When he came into town, addictions were broken. When he came into town, people found calling. When he came into town, the community that did not exist was formed and created. Paul was more than a blustering a preacher, just someone who spit and someone who talked. He was anointed of God. He was called of God. He had the spirit of God. And the same spirit that Rest inside of Paul, rest inside of you when you are in Christ. So as with, as with anything, growth is inevitable. And so we get a different Paul. Six years later, Paul is in a Roman prison. He's in a prison in Rome, and he's due for execution. And many theologians believe that this was his last prison visit, or maybe he got out and got arrested again, but at any rate, Uh, Paul was beheaded under the emperor Nero. Peter was hung on a cross upside down, for he deemed himself unworthy to be crucified in the same manner that his Lord was. Paul thus was beheaded. Satan figured that was the only way he could take Paul out. And so we get a different Paul six years later as he writes in a Roman prison to the church of Philippi, a church that he also gave his life to plant. 
and to start. Philippians 4, 6 through 8, and he tells us and he gives us the key as to how to respond to fear. Philippians 4, verse 6 says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. It's, it's, there's been a, a maturity of sorts, Elio. There's been this a maturity of, you know, six years ago he was, woe is me. This is what I've been through. This is my deal. This is my situation. This is my burden. This is the discomfort. This is the pain. This is them. This is that. This is they. This is it. I got fired. Woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. And he kind of taps into this a little bit in chapter 1 where he says we learn to rely on God. So there's this, there's this, this essence where he's, even though he's the man of God, even though he loves Jesus, he's learning. He's learning that fear is just at times an emotion. Fear is at times just, just a feeling. Fear is at times just a, what, what do you call it? False evidence appearing real. Fear, and, and he says this, he says, don't worry about anything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. So don't worry. Then verse 7 says this, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. So I may be in the middle of it. And I'm processing, and I'm worried, and it's weighty, and it's heavy. But there's a peace that just overrides the weight and the pressure of the circumstance. That only comes from Jesus. There's this this peace. We're going to get a little bit more into peace in a second here. Which exceeds everything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. As you live in Christ. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. One final thing, because Paul thinks he's about to die. So he's just giving you this one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things. That are excellent and worthy of praise. Yeah, I do verse 9, just verse 8. Cool. Think about these things that are excellent. Today, um, we, we're going to learn from Paul that fear, if you're writing notes, it's my first point. Fear has the power to limit our lives, but it doesn't have the power to limit our choices. So today I want to talk about the power to choose. It's the title of my message, The Power to Choose. So I just want to give us a few thoughts. I don't know what you're up against this week. I don't know what you're fearful of. A lot of you are in transition. Um, Today I want to encourage you that you can choose peace. You can choose peace. I remember when we were um, looking, looking for a place to start, highlight church, and uh, we had spent about three days already in the DMV. 
And we, we had three cities that we were praying through and, and thinking on. I, I was extremely fearful because now you have uh, a few people locked into the vision and they're ready to move and make some changes. And um, I said, wow, God, so it's either going to be Orlando, Florida, Wilmington, Delaware, or uh, Maryland, or DMV somewhere. And so after three days of, of being here, uh, my wife encouraged me. She said, just, you know, you've been to Rockville, Bethesda, D.C. You haven't gone, and you said you're going to do Germantown and Gaithersburg. Just kind of stop somewhere in there and go to a, a place. And so I said, all right, Chris, let's ride on out to um, Gaithersburg High School. And uh, we parked before we were getting back on the road for Florida. Uh, Pastor Jason, who was here a few weeks ago, it was me, Chris, Pastor Jason, and Jaziel, my oldest son. I just didn't feel that clarity. I didn't feel that ease because I felt as though, man, like I need to know for a fact that where we're going is where God is calling us to because I have people that are going to leave everything and come here and establish a life to, to start a church so that people would be saved and so that lives would be changed. So there was this, there's this blue line kind of deal where it was like we can stay in Orlando and be safe, be very safe. There was even a larger church at the time who was offering my team a campus um, salary for me and, and all this stuff. And, but I just, I didn't, I thought that was more dangerous than stepping past the blue line, even though this was still kind of not the thing, you know what I mean? And so we went to Gaithersburg High School, stood atop of the bleachers of the football field. Beautiful day. The, the wind's blowing and the trees are just, it's almost like God's like, yeah, this is where I called you. <laughs> and the trees are just, and so Jason and, and, and Chris and Jaziel, they were doing something. And, and um, I just stood and, and I, just the, the peace of God overwhelmed my heart. The, the peace, that word there, peace means ease in the Greek, if you're taking notes. Ease, quiet, the quiet, the, the peace, the ease. Very uncertain, and if, if you're taking notes, I don't have this as a point, so just jot this down. Uncertainty with peace enables forward movement. If you, if, you, if you don't have peace, you still need to pray. If there's not an ease or a calm in your soul, you, you still need to pray and fast and read about any situation that, that you're in. But if you have a peace past the relationship, if you have a peace about the breakup, if you have a peace about the career change, if you have a peace and ease, a calm, it enables for movement. And, and, and I think that's what Paul grew in. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, John 16, 33, he said, I have told you all this, John 16, 33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. So this is coming from the mouth of Jesus. The Bible says that God is not a man that he shall lie. Christ was God in the flesh, God in a body. What he's saying is, is that, look, you can be in me, 
You can make all the right decisions. You can read your Bible. You can get people to heaven. You can be doing all the right things, but it does not excuse you or exempt you from trials and sorrows and tribulations. Here on earth, you will have trouble. He was talking to his disciples. His disciples were going to go out into a world that needed to know that God loves them, a world that needed hope a world that needed peace, a world that needed clarity, a world that needed to know their purpose and their calling and their destiny. He was sending them out, and he was saying, as you do what's right, you are going to attract wrong. You are going to attract opposition. You are going to attract haters. You are going to attract naysayers. In this world, there will be trouble and sorrows and trials. But I've given you an ease, a calm. I've given you a peace. And he says this here, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Peace doesn't guarantee a smooth ride. It doesn't doesn't guarantee a lack of hardship. Peace guarantees strength, endurance, and the assurance of victory. So any time I get a little shaky, you know, about this church thing and this pastoring thing, um, like, you know, I, I go back to standing on top of the bleachers at Gaithersburg High School. I say, God, give me that calm. You know, it, it, things are easy when you're small, Damien. You get what I'm saying? You feel me? Things are easy when you're not doing nothing. Well, no, I'll take that back. That's the half truth. Things actually suck when you're not doing anything. So you might as well do something. But, but let me go back to my original thought. Things get harder the more successful and effective you are. And, and what you have to learn to do, Brad, we know it, Dr. Dr. Johnson, what you got to do is you got to go back to the peace that you had before you began. You got to go back to that peace because it was in that place where no one knew you. <laughs> this is the bleachers, y'all, the bleachers. No one knew you. You just had four or five crazy folks that was all in. And it was that peace. But before, but the, the peace I had before proposing to Pastor Kyra and not knowing what it was going to look like to, to father a child who was not biologically mine. I mean, he was, he was made from her and from another guy. How is, how is this going to work? But there is a peace. It's going to work. He needs a father. He needs a provider. I'm going to use you. I'm going to bless you. She's amazing. She's awesome. Be a man. Move forward. That peace. You need that peace before 
we get in, we get into it. Sometimes it's the past peace that you need to tap in to. So in the face of fear, maybe you're you're limited and you're shaky and you don't know what Monday morning looks like. But what you can choose this morning is ease and quiet for your soul. Not to mention that Paul was writing this letter while locked up in a Roman prison. Fetters, chains, shackles, guaranteed to die soon. And he has the wherewithal. Can you pull up the verse? I'm supposed to be on point, too. I just, I feel this. Chains and fetters and shackles, Philippians 4, 6 through 8. He has the wherewithal to tell us to don't worry about anything. Like, they got his death sentence papers written up. Don't worry, Bruce. What are you worried about? What worry is preventing you from moving forward in your education, in your relationship? You know it's time to take that next step. Be it it drawing back, be it moving forward. That decision that you need to make to, to live beneath your means you're afraid to lose a meal at McDonald's. God is like, I'm trying to blow your bank account up. You're afraid to eat healthy. I'm talking to myself now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he has the wherewithal to say, don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. Telling God what you need and thank him as you all he has done. The second thing you can choose is, is that I can choose my thoughts. I can, I can choose my thoughts in the face of fear. I may be afraid, but I can choose my thoughts. I, I, was, um, I remember high school basketball tryouts. Uh, there were three days to try out, and so you, you had a good number of guys show up and um, so I never made it to college, but I never got cut from high school basketball. So there are a couple guys that showed up. Um, the great guys that you knew were, they were going to make the team. It's like, man, you're, you're awesome. I was a part of the, the great group. <laughs> Even though I was a little shorter, I played point guard. It was the good group. You knew they were going to make it. They were going to be second string. You know, if they work hard enough, they may start. There's the, there's the okay guys. You know, they might make it. But then it was like the guys, bro, like, are you here because your parents forced you to be here? Like, why are you here? So, yeah, those are the guys that you pick during P.E. and you wanted them on their team because anyway. So, so yeah, you're going to play good defense. And so day one, uh, everyone got a chance to try out. Day two, you, you show up to school that next morning and they put the list on the on the some of you who tried out for things. You know this. They put a list being on the cafeteria door, the gym door. And it's like you come and, and you're walking up and you're like, whoo, I made it. Yes, I made it. Then you look over at your friend. He's like, I didn't make it. (laughs) And then so you get to day three, and it's like, all right. Woo, I made it. And then you get in. You know, the thing is, is this, is that a lot of people came to the tryout, 
But the coaches had the power to choose the players that they thought were best. A lot of thoughts are going to come your way in seasons of fear. But Paul says, fix your thoughts. Which tell me that you actually have the power. You have the power to choose the thoughts that you keep. They say scientifically, we don't know where thoughts come from. There are these uh, resonance uh, bubbles that just float around in our head. The resonance. And so what they do is they connect with a part of our brain that, that keeps our memory bank. And when that resonance of whatever connects with the part of our memory bank, it produces a thought. So when you're in a season of fear, that, that resonance is looking for a, a time when you, you fear the thing in the past that you currently fear today. And so then that thought will tell you, once again, you won't make it. You're not good enough. God is not with you. God will not bless this. You're going to die early. This sickness will not let up. But Paul says, fix your thoughts, which tells me that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I have the, the power and the ability to choose what I think. And like I was saying earlier here about Kyra being a single mother, I had the power to choose my best thoughts about her. I had the power to choose my best thoughts about Jay. You have the power to choose the best thoughts that God has made available unto you. The word fix that Paul uses here in the Greek is value, if you're taking notes, or price. So let's, let's translate it. Value your thoughts. Put a, let me take it further. Put a price on your thoughts. So this is the takeaway. My next point. Don't choose thoughts that devalue your life. Choose thoughts that add value to your life. He's saying fix them, price them. Don't choose thoughts that devalue who you are. Don't choose thoughts that devalue your potential. Don't choose thoughts that devalue what God wants to do. Don't choose thoughts that devalue your future. Don't choose thoughts that devalue the way you look. Don't choose thoughts that devalue what God wants to do through you. You got to choose thoughts of growth. Choose thoughts of promotion. Choose thoughts of freedom. Choose thoughts of miracle. Choose thoughts of, of impossibility. Choose thoughts of purpose. Choose thoughts that add value to your life. And so, so Paul is saying, I may be in prison, but I'm not a prisoner. I may be in chains, but I'm not chained. Because I can choose my thoughts. The Bible says, for as a man thinketh, so is he. Value your thoughts. Value your, your thoughts. Value your thoughts. Value. Um, va I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed at all that God has done at Highlight Church. All that, all, all that the Lord has done, how we, how we started the, the church, how you guys being here and you guys serving, you guys changing this city and this county in this area. When, when, when Highlight was just, 
at one point in, in Highlights, and this is just a 915 service. At one point in Highlights' existence, this was all Highlight was. The, these die. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I like this side. These crack. Okay, all right. These break. Okay, I heard. <laughs> These get old. But it's not the iPad. It's what's in the iPad that has the value. And it's the way I think about what's in the iPad that has the value. And it's what I think about the value of what's in the iPad that determines the, the reality of what it's going to be. So it may just be an iPad, but these values are worth half a million dollars. Hundreds of people, hundreds of souls, y'all ain't excited enough, hundreds of lives, hundreds of destinies. I'll wake up in the 11. I can't, I can't hit that flow I want to hit because I got to get used to my content. But choose your thoughts. They're going to come to the tryout. And what you got to do that night is sit down at your computer and put my team of thoughts so that when these thoughts show up in the morning, they will know that they don't make the team. Are we preaching Bible? I mean, I think he said fix your thoughts. That's good, right? All right. Let's value our thoughts. Oh, my God. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Fix my thoughts. We have a value around here. It's called high love. The value is love as they come and love as we go. And so what I attempt to teach our superheroes is this is what I taught our moving team, is that when we see people, we're going to love them based upon their potential, not their presence. So, so we lead from the mindset of not where you are, but where you are going. So, so when I, when, when for me as a pastor, when I see a, someone who's uh, struggling with alcohol, I don't think about them as an alcoholic. So the thing I, I like to zone in on, and this, uh, now we're going to teach you how to think. The thing I like to zone in on is this, is what are they great at? And how can we speak life into that? How can we build that thought? The word thought in the Greek is design or plan or intention. How can we build that plan? Because there are our thoughts and then there are God thoughts. And so, so as a leader, I, I, my, one of my callings, the Bible says that pastors, prophets, priests, evangelists, one of my callings is to bring out and to show you your best thoughts. 
than to build on those thoughts. What are those thoughts? Those thoughts that I pull out of you, the good ones, are God's plans for your life. And so it's part of my calling to tell you to value your thoughts. Well, I'm broken. No, you're not. You're free. Well, I'm an alcoholic. No, you're not. You can build things. You're great with math. You can sing. You can change your life. You have a testimony. You're good with finances. You're good with health. You're good with this. I have to and show you that thought and, and tell you to put a higher price on that thought. Fix your thoughts on high things, praiseworthy things, admirable things, honorable things. Fix your thoughts in the face of fear. Fix your thoughts. My kids will be okay. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than my ways. And my plan, my design, my purpose, are higher than yours. We are commissioned, church, to pull out people's thoughts and show them these are the thoughts you're supposed to be thinking. This is who you are. This is where you're going. This is your destiny. This is your potential. This is your purpose. Thoughts. And it's high and it's good. Psalm 139, I don't have the verse. I'm just uh, describing some things. Psalm 139 says that you're wonderful. That's a thought that God has about you. You are wonderful. Zechariah says that you are the apple of his eye. When God thinks about you, he thinks about the object of his affection. God loves you. Jeremiah 29 says that his thoughts are to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future, not religion, not a book. This is a tool. You can learn it, but it doesn't mean that you've tapped into the freedom it provides. But his thoughts (laughs) should inform my thoughts. It should inform my thinking. To prosper you. That word means to advance you. To bless you. Those are his thoughts for you. To give you a future and an expected end. Paul says fix your thoughts. The third thing as we get ready to get out of here is this. Is that I can choose my words in the face of fear. Choose your words. You have the power to choose your words. Come on and close me out here. It says this here, choose your words. Uh, we just recently went on our first flight to, to, to Florida. <laughs> and my oldest son, Jay, uh, just for like a year or so, man, he's just been working his fear up about flying. Because he's heard my mother-in-law talk about, oh, my God, I hate to fly, uh, it's like, dude, like, you're, you're eight, man. Come on. 
And so we get on the plane, and, you know, the plane starts, and it's all these movements, all these sounds and stuff going down. And he's like, Dad, what's that? What was that? What was that? Are we in the air yet? We haven't even moved. Are we in the area? What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? What's going on? And I'm like, Jay, why are you psyching yourself out? It's going to be great. Zone in on me. This is when you, you, you this, this is another way, focus, <laughs> fix your thing. I said, Jay, like, this is going to be a great trip. We're going to land. You're going to Harry Potter's world. And it's almost just like he stopped fearing because we, we changed his words. Choose your words in the face of fear. Choose your words. Last point here, words of faith dismantles the power of fear. Words of faith. You have the power to choose. Still a quick review. Fear is real. Fear is legitimate. But you have the power to choose three things. Peace, your thoughts, and your words. Jesus said this in Mark 11. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain. You can say to this mountain. You can say to this mountain, you may be lifted up. May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. You can say to this mountain. You can say it and don't stop saying it. Say it and don't stop saying it. But you must really believe it, and it will happen. Have no doubt in your heart. Let's pray, church. Father, we love you and we honor you. We give you praise and glory. We thank you for your word of truth. We thank you for your grace and your presence. We thank you that we have power over fear because we have the power to choose. We thank you that your Holy Spirit that lives within our hearts gives us the power to choose peace, our thoughts, and our words. Now with every head bowed, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, God loves you, and he has an amazing plan and design for your life. Why don't you come on home today? Come on home today. On the count of three, if you want to come to Christ and give your heart to him, you're tired of sin, you're tired of being weary, you need a brand new start. You're void. You're lacking. You're thirsty. God wants to bless you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. Now on the count of three, if you're coming to Christ, just raise your hand high. We're going to pray with you. One. Two. Three. Coming to Jesus today. Praise the Lord. Father, we love you and we honor you. Church, have a great weekend. Love you all. Thank you so much.